Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jesus, you're gonna kill that guy! Of course, I'm a Terminator. Alright, and welcome to another episode of Unequal Sequel. I am Dave, and I am one of the two hosts of this new and brilliant podcast. And I'm Rich, and I'm the other host of this new and brilliant podcast. Do we still count as new? Yes, yeah. I reckon first season, yes. Yeah, yeah, we're still new, we're still new. Yes. And obviously we'll always be brilliant, so that's fine. And people are still finding us, so it's great. Yeah, think of me as Harry Potter, I've got a big facial scar and I wear glasses, and Dave as Ron, and he's a ginger wizard. So, you know. Perfect. The premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests their best ever sequel, their worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel. And of course, because it's us, we often drift off and talk about completely random things about movies as well. Yes, we do. On today's episode, we are joined by Cameron Frew. Cameron is a journalist and film writer, and he's also entertainment editor for Unilad. We were very excited to sit down and chat all things sequels with Cameron. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. This is one of my Mm. favourites. This is Cameron Frew's Unequal Sequels. Enjoy. Do you remember the first sequel that you would you would get excited about when you were little? Or... Yes, I do. It would have been Stuart Little too. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Stuart Little was the first movie I ever saw in the cinema when I was younger. I, I distinctly remember the second one coming out. Uh, I'm not sure if I actually saw that in the cinema either, strangely. Uh, but I, I remember being very, very excited for that, having the memory of Stuart Little, one relatively fresh in my head, because I don't think there was some sort of ludicrous five or ten year gap between uh, the, the two Stuart Little movies. No. And cl- closely followed by Spider-Man 2. They are the, the two major instances in my childhood. I can remember being, oh my God, I'm, I'm so excited for this. I don't think I've seen Stuart Little 2. What happens is Stuart Little 2. I've seen the first one. I've definitely watched the first one. My little boy very much enjoyed it. But I've not seen the second one. Firstly, you're missing out on an exhilarating work of cinema. Uh, second, <laughs> secondly, what what happens in Stuart Little 2 is he's still, still living with um, the family that, that took him in. As an orphaned mouse. He meets a a little bird. A little bird that can also talk. Obviously. And they they become friends, uh, some would say closer. Closer than friends. They they, they start uh, a courtship together. Um, But this bird is on the run from a falcon. And the falcon's evil. Very, very evil. And they just get up to all sorts of hijinks and and shenanigans (laughs) across the city. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then there's Snowball the Cat saying Spunkin' Moxie, which is pretty much the, the only quote <laughs> that I really, really quickly remember from Stuart Little too. But uh, yeah, you should totally watch it. I don't think it's available anywhere, so there's that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would I would source it from CEX. Yeah, I'll find I'm that. Well, I'm going to dig it out. I bet, my, I bet George will have it. <laughs> is it Michael J. Fox is the voice? Yes. Isn't it? Yes, it does. Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing cast. Hugh Laurie, Gina Davis. Uh, I'm trying to remember who voices the Falcon, but I'm sure it's someone absolutely ludicrous for a movie like Stuart Little. Can I take to... a guess? Uh-huh. Tim Curry. Tim Curry <laughs> is a superb guess, and it's actually along the same sort of lines that I believe Stuart Little 2 goes with with its casting. It is James Woods voices the oh, Falcon. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Is, yeah. yeah, so there you go. Yeah, there's my answer. Uh, nice and easy. Uh, that didn't put me in the stock. Spot. I'm, more, I'm, I'm more concerned about the courtship between a mouse and a bird, to be honest. Far How's more... Work? Listen, <laughs> if Guillermo del Toro can do it in Shape of Water with a fish and a lady... This is true. Stuart Little yeah. 2 doesn't need to make too many leaps between uh, <laughs> the talking the talking mouse and bird. Yeah. Was that the first trip to the cinema for you? Was that... I can't even remember what year Stuart Little 2 was, to be honest. Well, so, so Stuart Little, the first one was my first trip to the cinema, and that came out, if, I, if I'm correct, in 2000? So it would have been three. Right. I would have been three. I was born in 1997. Oh, still old. Wow, I feel very old. I was <laughs> 20 in the year 2000. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I am ancient. <laughs> I do, do, do apologise for that That little bit of existentialism, no. probably, bringing it. Yeah, yeah, Stuart Little was my first trip to cinema. I believe that was followed up by Recess Schools Out. Right. Let's go on the big question now. You've answered that question very well. Thank you. And surprisingly, you know, quickly. Some some people really struggle. What was your best ever sequel? My best ever sequel. Uh, no, I, I really. This was the most difficult one when when you asked me it. To be honest, uh, because naturally, I think it should be. It should be the most difficult one because, especially in post uh, late nineties into the two thousands into now, sequels are the name of the game uh, at the movies mm-hmm. but for me it's got to be one of the most significant sequels i saw as a child which is terminator 2 judgment day Ugh. fantastic choice you possibly could number one sequel there you might have won the whole competition like the, the podcast <laughs> i don't think there's gonna be a better answer you said you used to watch it as a child what age did you watch it remember? so i'm trying to remember the exact age of the circumstances i watched so basically i i I didn't see the first Terminator before I saw Terminator 2, mainly because uh, the first Terminator was an 18. It was 18 rated. Uh, My dad made the executive decision at probably the age of five, to be honest, that the first Terminator may just be a little bit much. A a little bit much for me. But Terminator 2, admittedly, is violent, but it's not quite as adult I suppose, mm. as the first Terminator. So he took me to Woolworths. Amazing. It was the first DVD I ever bought for myself with pocket money, whatever, because it was down to, I don't know, nice. on the sale at like seven ninety nine or something like that. Terminator 2 Ultimate Edition. I remember it. It was a yeah. big silver cover. I was the same. I, I saw Terminator 2 before I knew Terminator even existed. And, and I think most people are the same. Is that actually I think I did as well, yeah. Straight in at the sequel. Because Terminator is kind of a B-movie, right? It's not even like a, you know, you wouldn't class it as being like a, a blockbuster but yeah, Terminator 2 just notches it up that extra level. I think I was 12, maybe, when I saw it. 11 or 12, does that make sense? I think Terminator yeah. has benefited 
from Terminator 2 immensely because I would now see Terminator as a bit of a blockbuster but I, I would agree that probably before Terminator 2 and uh, before the legacy of Terminator 2 certainly it was viewed as a, a, a darker sci-fi horror really like, mm-hmm. it's 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 not a it's not a, a kind spirited movie Terminator whereas I think mm-hmm. Terminator 2 very much sets a template for big summer blockbusters with, with yeah. heroes and villains and stuff like that uh, whereas Terminator uh, 1984 is much darker it fits in that kind of run of kind of Arnie movies of like Commando and Predator and Terminator and they kind of very much had a pattern didn't they that kind of mm. Terminator 2 was when he started to break away from that from that pattern a little bit and then do some more kind of movies with a little heart in them and not just blowing sh- stuff up yeah Term- Terminator 2 is his best movie it just is yeah I'm not saying that as, as I'm not saying that's an easy choice because I, I one I love Arnold Schwarzenegger and my love of Terminator 2 as a child encouraged me to then watch everything that Arnold Schwarzenegger ever did. To be honest, I, I think I saw Terminator when I was six. Like, it didn't take long because I became obsessed quite quickly and uh, my dad's VHS tapes didn't last long before I <laughs> yeah. I just forced his hand. I was like, I'm watching it. But, yeah, compared to the likes of Commando, which I love dearly, Predator, which is pff, maybe his second best movie, and just because it's, it's, it's fucking Predator. It's amazing. <laughs> and, no, not Twins, uh, or Junior, or Kindergarten Cop. But, you know... <laughs> It's a different gravy. It's just different gravy to pretty much mm. any action movie, uh, with the exception of a few others. I like how you, uh, you keep saying you watched as a kid. If I remember it rightly, Terminator 2 had a good toy line as well, didn't it? Yes. It must have helped. When you watched it with your dad, was he watching at you, looking for you, at your reaction? So... Because uh, I think I It's interesting. So, yeah, so that that's kind of something that I regularly think about almost that I look back to the experiences of watching films with my dad just exploring his his VHS collection I think he was more interested in the reaction after the movie finished Mm. and I would quite often take uh, the video away to like my own room or uh, my my grand's bedroom because I had a VHS TV combo and it it would obviously come out uh, beaming like any child would be after seeing Terminator 2 at the age of 5 and that was was pretty much just the case for any, any uh, of those era movies, or even RoboCop, which I I watched when I was I was eight, because my dad considered that particularly egregious to watch as a small child because of the amount of swearing in it, or or point or uh, Point Break, Point Break, uh, yeah, break. that's slightly better. Uh, uh, but these were all like eighteens, but and some of them have been re re rated by the BBFC now. So Point Break's a fifteen. I, I believe the first Terminator's a fifteen. Hmm. RoboCop is a fifteen. Uh, really? But back then there were, it was like naughty, I suppose, to want to watch. These I mean, he literally gets shot to pieces in Robocop, like like really early on. Like... Yeah, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. And it was it was amazing <laughs> when I watched that. Uh, but Termin- just Terminator 2, I just distinctly remember it, and the experience of watching it has is, is obviously stayed with me since I'm on this mm. podcast talking about it. Absolutely. I suppose just really realising that it's a good movie. It's just such a good movie compared to everything I'd watched up to that point. Again, different gravy. Yeah. And it still is. I watched it a few years ago when it got released in the IMAX again and that was an experience you forget how it's it's kind of ageless it's some of the stuff is is aged so well and the stunts are amazing the special effects and the bit where the helicopter goes under the bridge and flies just behind the the truck it's amazing what, what are your favorite scenes is there anything you really you know the scene you really dig uh yes absolutely i, I was hoping you would ask me that uh, so uh, immediately my favorite ever thing from terminator 2 is the way he reloads his gun the yeah the the swivel around the wrist we all did uh, that i think i did that with with any toy gun i ever got after that <laughs> 
And and the ending. The, the ending makes me cry like a baby. The first time I showed uh, my girlfriend Terminator 2. It's always the way. Um, well, and, and Terminator. She, she really, really liked Terminator. More than I anticipated, and I don't mean that to, to disparage my, my girlfriend, but I just... I, I make my, my girlfriend Lily watch a lot of movies, and sometimes I know I big them up in my head to be something they probably aren't, and Terminator had had the desired effect, so I was like, right, Terminator 2, let's get on, let's get on this immediately, because you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And yeah, she even she was getting a bit emotional by the end, but I was like, oh, oh I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. I mean, how could you not get emotional? The thumbs up going into the Oh, into the no, mom. the thumbs That's up, it. man. The thumbs up. Forget all these people that talk about Toy Story 3. <laughs> No way. The, the the thumbs up as Arnie goes into that molten metal. That's that's the killer. But I I, I do completely agree with what you said, Dave. That the the effects. Yeah, the movie's ageless. I I don't think it's it's aged pretty much at all mm. in any in any sort of way. But you could be really really picky and go through it frame by frame and find transitions and the and the VFX that maybe don't necessarily hold up. But I think the experience of watching it hasn't changed even even slightly. I still feel it's a, it's one of the movies that still gives me that same sense of glee that I felt watching movies back then. Mm. Now as as um like nearly. 20 years later after I first watched it and that is like you said because of the stunts which are just brilliantly choreographed top to bottom the the effects with the T-1000 are like still feel groundbreaking to watch compared to some of the really shoddy CGI that gets pumped out in, in movies today. I think it's better than like Terminator Five, or whatever on now. Yes, like yeah. the you know some of the effects in the in the later ones, like Terminator Two, looks way better. Yeah, way more convincing. Yeah, and Robert Patrick is insanely good. Like he was, it's like he was born to be a Terminator. He's he is so good. Terrifying. In that. He is absolutely terrifying. And obviously, the movie has taken on some sort of extra cultural rev- relevance because he's a, a police officer that is such such an overt villain. But that stuff aside, the the commentary side of it, he's just brilliant. He he is so intimidating. Pretty much from the moment he's on screen, I think you you do get the idea that he's not quite there. So as opposed to the first Terminator, when you see Reese. For the first time, yeah, I think everyone knew. It's like, oh, this guy's this guy's here to save the day. Whereas when Robert Patrick appears, compared to uh, the Terminator going to the bar, it's, it's like these guys both don't seem really nice. Like he's he's really stoic, unnatural, uh, and he's fucking fast. He is like lightning. Uh, yeah. Along all the roads that he, he runs, I, I think he, I read a fact somewhere that he managed to achieve. He, he he was running faster than the camera crews. Basically, that they were like tight. They were running along with him in the car, and he was outpacing them just because he'd got his Crazy. running. Dip. And it's obvious, but he's just so mechanical. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate the running motion does not work in the form of a podcast. We appreciate so that. everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We we, we got that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you can kind of see a pattern for some of your later choices from Terminator 2 as well. I think there's this, there was, that's, certainly for me, having not watched your third choice, I'd, I'd not seen before. I'd not heard of it at all. So I watched it for the very first time yesterday. And my initial reaction was kind of, oh... Robert Patrick in Terminator 2. Okay, first of all, I cannot wait to then talk about it since you've just watched it. Uh, and and secondly, you're absolutely right. All of my my dad, I, I write about it quite often. Any any features that I do about uh, my personal film viewing experiences all tie back to that cupboard in my house with the top top shelf with eighteen certificates piling to the roof and and fifteen certificates for Terminator <laughs> 2 are all indebted. To what yeah. I like. Oh, amazing. And were you a big fan of Limba- Linda Hamilton back there as a boy? She was brilliant in this. Yeah. That's, that, yes. And the change yes. from Terminator 1 to this is just so clever. She's a badass. Like, she, she, she is seriously... 
just incredible in, in this movie that like the build is obviously at that age you know what to be honest even now, even now it's not necessarily normalised to for for a strong action stars to appear on screen with su- such a, an incredible build I mean we all saw the response to The Last of Us 2 when Abby was such a built character and that uh, just kick started such needless backlash and when you look at Lynn Hamilton in Terminator 2 when she is jacked and she deserves all the praise she continues to get uh, in the years since the movie's oh, come yeah. out. I think she she very much holds the soul of the movie, along with Arnie, obviously, obviously, by the end. But yeah, just, again, another integral part of my film viewing, that is, she is a character. Sarah Connor is someone I take with me pretty much any, any movie yeah, I go she's incredible. Now. It's a sequel that, that may be trying to pick my words here. What a good sequel should do is should take key components of the first one, then slightly change it, but have the characters that you all love. And this film does that, and a lot of films now try and copy it. Did you appreciate that, or do you like the the, the difference between the first and the second? Yes, like hugely, hugely. I think the difference again is absolutely key to why Terminator is still pumping out pretty meagre movies we'll now, minute, yeah. because everyone remembers the double tap of Terminator and Terminator Two, or the double tap of Terminator Two and then Terminator in retrospect because of how good Terminator is. Uh, Terminator Two is. Yeah, Terminator is the first one. It at least is a is a, a tech noir synthy product of its time. Definitely, obviously, extremely elite in those regards because there's there's lots of sci-fi and horror movies from from the eighties which are are great if you love that sort of thing, but they aren't necessarily on Terminator's level. And then you have Terminator Two, which is just like still one of the most amazing. I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as saying a family blockbuster, but it's it's a blockbuster that I think youngish kids are becoming teens absolutely fine to watch like it's a great introduction to to blockbusters mm. and how how good blockbusters can and should be like at no not a single part of terminator or terminator 2 feels lazy everything feels so mm. carefully yeah, thought out you're right and the fact that the two have such different tones but work in tandem yeah so perfectly is still amazing and it's also a little sad considering where the franchise is when. Yeah, there's it. no time wasted in, in Terminator 2. It's all uh, necessary to the plot or the, the runtime. Uh, we're going to have to talk about the sequels because I'm quite confused. There's Terminator 1, Terminator 2, Terminator 3, Salvation, Genesis, Genesis and Dark yeah. Fate. But Dark Fate is meant to come after 2 and ignore yep. 3 yep. and Genesis and Salvation, right? Or am I... Yep. Okay. You are... Yeah, you're pretty much on the money there. Yes. One, will there be any more? Is that being, do you reckon, dead now again? I hope not. I hope not, to be honest. I don't. I think Terminator Dark Fate. Whilst it's actually an okay movie, yeah, it's to be honest, it's not It's not terrible. I, I actually don't mind Terminator 3, um, but I think I watched that just at the perfect age to probably appreciate it, uh, whilst not fully realising if it was crap, to be honest. Uh, I, rem- I think everyone remembers the ending of Terminator 3 because it is such a brilliant, it's a brilliant ending yeah. uh, compared to the rest of the movie. But no, no, I, ho- I hope they do not return to Terminator or at the very least they don't return for another 20 years or something like that and then they decide to come back. I think time has not been kind with the sequels that they've tried to do or like Salvation is, is an interesting film, but... I don't really have any need for it. Terminator Genesis is a disaster. And then Dark Fate was, again, was good at the time. Didn't make much noise. And it's just faded into the cultural consciousness. Whereas Terminator 2 and Terminator remain. Was Genesis the one that they gave the plot away in the trailer? Yes, they gave away. Well, uh, you know what? I don't. No, they give away. Uh, <laughs> um, 
they get they give away that John Connor or like the, the actor playing John Connor. Oh God, I forget his name. It's terrible. Jason Clark, I think. Jason Clark, yeah, um, was a Terminator essentially, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was, or at least there was something going on with him. He had, he, he was able to transform. And, and stuff I think like he that. was a Terminator, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, just I mean, a terrible movie, but uh, you know, it's it's just a, it's not even worth any form. That deserves to just disappear. It never happened, as opposed to Dark Fate and even Salvation. I I, I find them interesting films, whereas Genesis is just in the bottom. Which is the one where they sort of try to remake two, Terminator Two, but with with a, a female version of John Connor. Who's the what's is that Dark Fate or is that Salvation? Uh, no, that sounds a bit more like well. That could be a few of them, Rich. Yeah, well, well, Terminator Dark Fate obviously continues the Terminator Two story. Um, and oh then right, has, okay. And then has uh, so I don't think it's Dark Fate. I'm thinking of. I think it must be Salvation. Well, I mean, yeah, I think you might be thinking of Amelia Clark. Salvation set in the future and Genesis because she plays a key role in Genesis. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. What a waste! Just a waste. And Jay Courtney plays Carl Reese, and mm-hmm. he's not good. No, no. I, I mean, no one should ever uh, re- replace uh, Michael Michael Bean. Michael Bain, Michael Bain, as as Reese. I have to be honest. I after Terminator Two, I don't think I've seen Terminator Three, and I've I've seen one of the others, and I can't remember which one it is that I've seen. That's how and much that, an impression that, it made. That short <laughs> statement sums up everything anyone ever needs to know about anything beyond Terminator Two. Uh, mm. I don't think that that is too harsh to say. I think that is absolutely apt. Have you seen the unofficial sequel to Terminator Two though? The uh, the ride in wherever it is, Universal Studios, or no? Of not, uh, it's good. I enjoyed it. That, uh, that's something that again, I just really have always wanted. To, always wanted to go to it, but no, no, I haven't. So I've I, don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure it's it's around anymore because no. I, I went in like the late nineties, but it was excellent. The free and that's when three D was good. Yeah, and they spent a lot of money on it. And it was James Cameron actually directing it, and it was Schwarzenegger and Hamilton and Edward Furlong, who was slightly bigger, yeah. but. He was getting bigger during the film, wasn't he? Terminator. It, was, yeah, so yeah. it, it took, took so long to film yeah. it. It was. It was. Is there any quotes that you'd say daily from Terminator Two? Because I think there must be some. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I do. I do something for Terminator Two uh, with my girlfriend. Really weirdly, after she watched it, there's a scene in Terminator Two when the Terminator is being taught to smile. Uh, and I obviously I cannot do that over a podcast for for people listening. Uh, but it's it's like a weird like his mouth develops into a smile, and uh, yeah, Lily and I do that to each other all the time after we watch the movie. Um, so I, that's weirdly the thing that's probably stayed stayed with me the most. Uh, oh, like anyone, I, I'll say I'll be back cheesily in some some senses or or hasta la vista, uh, baby. Yeah, but yeah I think I think the the smile. Yeah, there you go. That's the that's the thing. <laughs> and, and and swirling any toy gun I find around, like in uh, the that's Terminator such a chopper. Call. He's so iconic, isn't it? Him on the bike, looking back with Edward's hair and stuff. The entire, the whole, the, yeah, the entire yeah. aesthetic of Arnie. And Terminator Two is the Terminator aesthetic. Like in Terminator One, he looks completely different. He's got different hairstyle. He's wearing a kind of grey slash green coat and and jeans. Uh, whereas I think if you even say to anyone who isn't aware of Terminator or at least hasn't seen Terminator, if you could tell them to describe what they think the Terminator looks like, they would describe Arnie and T Two, mm. all black, mm. leather, on a chopper, 
with sunglasses. With yeah. A little red showing through the sunglasses. Yeah. 100%. I, I quite like to, if I have to pick my wife up from anywhere, I quite like to pull up, open the window and say, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> or if we're all going like, go to the car, it's like, get to the chopper. I know that's not hard. No, that's not T2, but... Yeah, let's come it's on. It's not a tumor. But... Let's stop, stop, stop doing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. Our Arnie quotes are like really are part of my daily vocabulary, especially it's not it's not a tumor. It's not, it's a, not tumor. a tumor. <laughs> what does your daddy do? <laughs> I love him. My, 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 I didn't have my my dad wasn't really a film guy, but my uncle had like all the Schwarzenegger collections, and I was I was obsessed with his VHS collection, mm-hmm. Predators and Raw Deal and Red Heat. I think Conan oh, was there. Red as well. Heat and Raw Deal, oh, classic. They're all up there, and yeah, a razor, collateral <gasps> damage. Oh, ca- oh. <laughs> Come on now, True Lies. You could have said True Lies. End, true end lies of is great. end of days. Where I've bought- end of days gets a bad rap. And I dig that film. No Schwarzenegger film deserves a bad rep. Let's just get that out there. They're they're all they're all great in their own probably terrible ways. That's true. <laughs> Even Jingle All the Way is. Um, I love Jingle All the Way. I watch it special every for a month year. of the year. Yeah. Talking about disappointing things. What is the most disappointed you've been as a, to a sequel? So not bad. So it doesn't have to be a bad sequel. It's just disappointing. Before I give my answer, is this the second answer of the three? Or am no. I going to... Okay, right. No. I just don't, is... Okay, I just don't want to mix them up. Because so it's I... not a bad film. So it's, it's one you're really looking forward to. I'm going to give you an example. Matrix Reloaded. Uh, okay, firstly, leave Matrix Reloaded out of this because it is amazing. It's so good. You know, if you said Revolutions, I'd be like, yeah, totally. Totally, no problem. Fine, Revolutions. I, I, I can get on board with the criticism of that, but Reloaded is just It's got delicious. one good car chase and that's it. Wrong. <laughs> it's got the big fight. The big fight where he ludicrously beats up all the Agent Smiths. Uh, yeah, but it looks, it looks bad then. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> And the music, oh, the music in Matrix Reloaded is tremendous. Right, no, no, I'm not, I'm not getting into Matrix, no, because I'm here to, I'm telling you, my most disappointing sequel, okay, I can think of that, it's probably, oh, if I'm on the spot, I would say Glass. Glass. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. I, Glass I found immensely disappointing. I get on board with that. Uh, mainly because Unbreakable is a film I've appreciated as I've grown older, and it's now one of my favourite movies ever. I was at that point when I went to see Split. Uh, obviously completely unaware of what was going to happen at the end of Split. Yeah, and I, I just lost my mind in the cinema at the end of Split. Like, obviously no one was expecting it. No one could ever be expecting it. Ne- nearly broke my, my girlfriend at the time's arm because I was just like, what? Oh my God. Like, I, just couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. And then obviously the excitement just immediately started for the inevitable sequel. And I know there's, I know Glass has its defenders, but I'm not one of them. No, it's... No. it's... I think you absolutely hit it on the head with that one because it's just incredibly disappointing. It's just, it's just a- not what I expected. And I'm not saying a film needs to be what I expect because that's dangerous territory. Uh, I don't mind it going outside the box, and it definitely does. Uh, I just it just made choices that didn't just didn't rub dull, me the right way. Didn't rub me the right way at all. No, it is. You're right, David. It's dull and it's it's kind of cheesy. The others, the the other two, are so dark and so different. Like you've never seen a super mo- superhero movie like Unbreakable. It's it's At the so time, different. It did not do well. Well, but, no, yeah. but it's a great film. And Glass, like you say, it's just it's just boring. It's just yeah. like formulaic. It's, yeah, I've never went back to rewatch it to be honest. And I've rewatched Unbreakable a lot since and, and Split, but I can't. You're so right though. I was in a screen of Split that had a Q and A afterwards with the director. He mm-hmm. was there. 
and no one was expecting so everyone was just hyped for it and all the questions were like does this mean the yeah. third he's like yes this this what it means yeah and you're like fuck it's brilliant and then yeah obviously that came out Class. and you're like ow <laughs> Yeah. I still get I still get sad thinking about it. Again, it's just an example of really, really potent disappointment. I've got to be honest. I was I was hoping for cars too. So if your answer there, <laughs> I've said Listen, it before in this. On I the, love on cars. This podcast. I love cars. And I, I, you know, I'm not a fan of cars too. I'm not going to try and defend cars too. Um, cars too is awful. But, but I read I read your article of defending cars, and I feel exactly the same. I yes. think car, I think cars is yes. a great movie. <laughs> Another disciple really of cars. It. Yes, yeah. love to see I like cars. It's a great movie, and I've I, I can say that because my son has maybe watched it about four hundred times. So <laughs> I really know that movie. <laughs> but Cars Two is just terrible. It's just that's just nothing. Nothing even close to being what the first is about in any sort of way. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. I know it's a film about cars that are animated and animated, but no. No, I have no time for Cars 2, and it's I, I, I can't condone its buffoonery, as, as Tommy Lee mm. Jones once. It, it misses the point a bit of the whole Cars world, I, I think. Yes. The themes that Cars carries through. The very lax that... themes already. Just I'm not going to say that Cars is uh, emotionally nuanced, but it does have something yes. there. And then Cars 2 is just oh, pointless. There's yeah. a lesson to be learned from Cars, isn't there? There's there is. a moral message in there, and I can't think of what... And there are in most Pixar films. Cars 2's lesson is stereotype and stereotype. That's it. Well, What's the moral message? The moral message is something that my my son comes out with quite a lot, which is friends are more important than winning. Yeah, right. And that's okay, that's cool. basically we've we've used that a lot because you know he's a competitive little boy and he likes to win, and so we have to remember cars that friends are more important than winning. <laughs> and that's so sweet. That that's so sweet, uh, and it's great that the first film has that, and the second film doesn't even have anything close to a moral message. Nah, no, nothing. You're right. So that that makes you angry. So let's go on to the big question because I I, I think we all want to talk about it. What is <laughs> your worst sequel ever and first before you answer thanks for this one you've uh we've done these a few of these now and this is the first one that actually is a really bad film. <laughs> all right so. okay uh again I, I did take my time thinking about it i really i went through a lot of bit like what well i suppose best of worst of sequels list i was trying to jog my memory none of them were really inspiring me to be like yeah that's the one i'm going to put in the list and then it just came to me like a flash i was like oh my god like ptsd alien versus predator 2 requiem Awful. Fuck that movie! Fuck you, <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. Why is the worst to you? And then we'll jump on. It's the worst to me because I grew up loving, loving aliens. Again, that's just another area of my slightly inappropriate film going youth. I, I bought, I watched Aliens at a very young, Alien at a very young age, and Aliens, and was again became very, very obsessed with that world. I thought it was so cool and scary but not too scary and then obviously by proxy you then discover predator and i i liked predator too when i was a bit younger and now i'm okay with it when alien vs predator was coming out so that came in 2004 i believe i could yeah we were we were at uni yeah when it came out yeah I, I, well obviously give or take a year i i know i know i was i was young i, I was about eight when when alien vs predator was coming out and i was so excited for it as any eight-year-old boy that watched Alien and Predator as 
a slightly younger child would be. It was like the ultimate event. It was my it was my end game at that time in my life. Huh. I remember so seeing trailers for it and just thinking, oh my god, like this is going to be like the best movie of my entire life. I, I've been waiting my life for this <laughs> at the age of eight. I like, I, you know what, I still don't mind Alien vs Predator. I'm not going to even tend or vaguely defend it as being as good as its predecessors. I think it's a PG-13 Alien and Predator movie that kind of knows what it is. I think clearly wants to have fun with Alien and Predator in a way that isn't scary, the way it's like an action movie. And when they do fight, it's it's fine. It's fine. And it's, it, you know what, it's watchable. That, that's the main thing here. It is watchable. And then Alien vs Predator 2, I had no idea it was even a thing until I saw the DVD in, in <laughs> Tesco, obviously like however many years later when I was with my mum and dad on the Sunday shop. I was like, oh my God, what? what? Uh, and then my mum and dad just... I didn't really even need to ask because they knew I would desperately want it and they're like, okay then, you can get it. Straight in the shopping basket, straight home. It was the addition too too nasty for cinemas or something like that. I was like, I was like great, great, so excited, put it in. Oh my Christ, it is. It is diabolical. It is the worst thing. It's an insult to everything. It's, it's terrible writing. Again, it's it, it's just completely uninformed about itself. Like I say, Alien vs Predator, the first one, I still feel likes where its roots are, if it's clearly just not bothered about honouring them too much. Whereas the second movie is Alien and Predator fighting in a slasher, a shitty slasher movie, basically. Most of all, you cannot see Alien or Predator throughout the movie. <laughs> that is fucking dreadful. <laughs> I'd never seen it before. I've not seen. I've not seen. I still haven't seen Alien vs Predator, but I watched it obviously for for this for the podcast today. And I tried to note down some positives. Please, and I have. I, I have one. It's mercifully short. <laughs> that's, okay. that's you I've know got. what? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. There we go. Uh, good for AVP two. You have a positive. It is mercifully short. I, I you know. What? See, to be honest, I don't necessarily hate the concept of uh, of Alien vs Predator two. I don't. I don't inherently disagree with using a slasher movie sort of backdrop for a face-off between Alien vs Predator. I think that on paper is really interesting and could be really fun if, if done quite nastily, I suppose. But it's just not. It's the, the, Every character in it is un, borderline unlikable if just completely forgettable from scene to scene. Yep. yep. Set pieces and chases. So there's a bit in the swimming pool, which I, I do distinctly remember. And I remember thinking, God, that would be scary if, I, if an alien was in a pool, if I could see it. Like, yeah. An, an, an alien, <laughs> if it wasn't just a wave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And an Alien Resurrections, Alien Resurrection, there's, there is that big scene where the aliens swim through the water. It's cool, and, yeah. And you know what, I'm not going to, again, it's not the best Alien movie, but that is one of the most, me- for me, one of the most memorable scenes in it because you hadn't seen Alien swim to that point. So why have we regressed to that in a, in a modern movie? Clearly with some level of production value, no matter how bad it is, it does have, yeah. has something there. So yeah, they were just a wave machine for, for an alien and, and some blood and n- none of the actual threat associated with alien. It, they just turn it into a generic monster. That really grinds my gears. <laughs> so it does. Yeah, it's it's really odd. It's weird how how when you watch Alien and you watch Aliens, the alien is, the xenomorph is like the ultimate fighting machine. And then it comes up against Predator and it's like he's like, I don't know, Shooting, shooting cattle. Like they're not, they're not anything. 
They're not anything yeah. impressive yeah. at all. You know, the xenomorphs. It's only the pred pred alien or whatever it's called. The, the oh, hybrid oh, thing. No. <laughs> I remember that at the end of end of Alien vs Predator when that's teased, and I think even oh, yeah. at the time I was a bit like, "Really? <laughs> I, I, I think we're done with this." No, exactly what you said. In Alien and Aliens, Xenomorphs are formidable. They are the the worst thing that humanity has ever faced, and then they're just the equivalent of like rodents, essentially. When you go yeah. up against mm. the Predator, they just squeal, and the Predator walks in and slaps them about, throws them by the tail and blows them to bits or they get soaked with acid it's just there's it doesn't feel like there's any love for the characters especially in avp2 when they face off together they are just yeah. they're just slasher villains that happen to be facing off against it, com- one it completely lost me when the face hugger jumped on the little boy in the in the woods i was like it's, 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 the first three it's too far yeah, it's three, yeah three minutes in yeah literally i was like it's, it's too far you know it's it's, it's become you know they've they've obviously gone for that a such high shock value that it's just it it just ruins it I think yeah and so I and I, then, I remember seeing that and thinking is this what the rest of the movie is going to be like because you know what see if the rest of the movie went along that that real level of shock value at least it would be distinctive and it would probably be memorable but after that first scene it's just a handful of moments that I have vague memory of yeah until well, they the call, new- they call in the national guard in when the two people are missing. <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's warranted that emergency yet. I don't understand how they were made to be. I, Cameron, was lucky enough to see this in cinema. God Almighty! I feel so sorry for him. I didn't even know it was in the cinema, Dave. I thought it was straight to DVD. You know, I remember it because I remember it thinking that's better than the first one. It's not. It can't be. Surely. That's how much I hate Alien versus Predator. That's the power um, of the big screen. That's what it is. I saw that in cinema. And I tell you, that did not play well. People were booing. Uh, and there's a point in Alien vs. Predator where I'm pretty sure you think the woman and the alien are going to make... Well, yeah, in uh, Alien vs. Predator, the Predator basically becomes allies with, with the women. Which I don't entirely hate, because Predators aren't necessarily overt villains. They are hunting them for sport. So there's the possibility of teaming up with a human isn't entirely fine. foreign. But yeah, it's just... But the tagline, the tagline for the first one was, whoever wins... We lose. The best movie tagline of all time. It's the best movie tagline of all time. I want we that win. on my wall. I, I, yeah, it's good. It's but we win in that movie. Yeah. Everyone else dies. Yeah, we totally win. Apart from the girl. The predators piss um, off and the aliens are all wiped out in Antarctica. No one's going to face the wrath of that battle. I remember the build-up to Alien vs. Predator and it was big because... They, they talked a good game. Paul W.S. Anderson, who's a, not my favourite director, he was like, yeah, we've got big people with big guns. And they showed a clip of just like three predators like mowing down yeah. hundreds of aliens. And I thought, fucking hell, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. And then you get in there and it's not like that. There's a there's about five aliens in a, an underground igloo that come and get uh, attacked by predators because every few hundred years or whatever... It's their hunting ground. But also at the same point, obviously the uh, the humans discover it, don't they? Mm-hmm. So they're all pissing about in there and set off loads of traps. Oh man, it's bad. And, and like you said earlier, you were eight and you were looking forward to it because it is a PG-13 alien versus predator film. And I tell you, the audience that I was in was not happy with that. Yeah. They were expecting something a lot more uh, violent. Well, it's, the, it's, it's like the curse, isn't it? I remember when Die Hard 4 was even coming out and I des- yeah. desperately, desperately wanted it in the UK to be a 12A uh, because you're a kid and you want to be able to see everything. And then it was a, it was a 15 and even then it was, it's, it's a little bit sanitised compared to what Die Hard 
at least the first one was, and now as an mm. adult, I I I gatekeep uh, my age ratings quite quite uh, staunchly, and I, I do feel sorry for my former self of what I've become because I just m- movies shouldn't be sanitized uh, like Alien vs Predator is. Um, it's yeah. one of the most criminal examples of it, and that's coming from someone who doesn't mind the movie. It is a, a hugely <laughs> hugely criminal example of uh, making a movie for a mass market when yeah you could just up it this one was bad i just remember sitting there thinking it's very dark even rich i was texting rich last night about it. i was like the grade is so bad mm. even before it gets to night time and you can't see anything no. and when they're fighting they're just the cameras all over the place and i i'm still pretty sure you don't see what the actual combine alien predator person looks like yeah I was like, it just looks weird. It's everything's the blacks are too black. If that makes sense, yep. in a lot of it, you, you know what's really frustrating about it is that the costume design is fantastic. It actually is when you see it behind the scenes, and they just didn't let anybody see it. I don't, I don't get why they did that. I don't know if they just weren't confident enough in their stunt work or, or their choreography. I, I actually don't understand it because when you see when I there is behind the scenes production stills from it, and the the pred alien thing looks fucking gnarly it looks cool and then the predator just looks like the predators always do and they're just which is cool they're they're an iconic design and watching them fight should be just inherently a base level of cool and none of that Mm. is there because it's so dark yeah and they try and set it up for a a third one that never got made that weird storyline of the rocket gets put into who's at it utani is that corporation (laughs) at the end (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, the big question is, where did they plan to go with this? Because I've read reports say that they wanted to take it back to the alien home planet, oh. which obviously doesn't exist now, because David the flute playing robot made them in Prometheus or whatever. Yeah. So what what do you think their plans were? And how, yeah, what do you think they would have done? Because obviously, this one, it got panned, mm-hmm. and two... It made no money, so... Their plans were to yada yada their way through a, a completely new movie. Like, I don't think they had any anything close to a really firm plan. They would have just put some nonsense down on paper, clearly because that was the, the modus operandi of the entire spin-off franchise, hmm. and make a threequel. I, I watched it, and I was like... Because I've never not seen the first one, and I've not seen this one before, and I was like, Dave, is there a third one? So, yeah, because I was like, this was like the middle... Like of something like a like there should be the first part of the movie and a and an ending like this is this doesn't mm. have an ending yeah it's, it's crazy. also the colonel the colonel guy that keeps they're on the other side of the walkie talkie I don't know if you watch the IT crowd but he's the uh, the one that the German that Moss goes around to have dinner with <laughs> but, and is, he's German the, he's cooking. the cannibal is he <laughs> yeah he's the cannibal from IT crowd. <laughs> So that's what I thought when I see him. Uh, so it wasn't a pleasurable experience. I say, oh, I quite enjoyed this first. I not enjoyed it. That's too much. I thought it was better than the first Alien vs. Predator. For 10 minutes, I, like, is... I thought the two brothers were the same person. <laughs> I thought, thought he'd come out of dash. prison and got a job in a pizza place. And I was like, surely he's a bit old for these teenagers. And I just realised they, bro- they were brothers. I literally thought they were the same character. That's something they never did anything with, him being an ex-convict. It was just, oh, welcome back. Yeah. Never mentioned again or whatever. Welcome and back the by the back. sheriff and stuff as well. Like, you know? Oh, I did, I did, I did read a, a deleted storyline that, sorry, the army woman and the husband were going for a divorce he was sleeping with the waitress who was pregnant that was his child right okay 
Uh, but that all got dropped. I thought, yeah, that's a guy from True Blood. No, but there's, there's a guy from True Blood who's like the husband, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. And there was another storyline. They had a hall meeting, and at one point, saying people are missing, and they all blamed the convict. Uh, that was cut. That would might have been good because that might have explained why he was such a bad boy and what he did in his past. <laughs> there is a director's cut, yep. but that just means sitting sitting through half an hour more of that nonsense. So. That's probably what Cameron watched. Yeah, that sounds exactly like what I watched, which is, God, it's just God's way of saying. <laughs> have you got rid of like, that DVD now? Yes. Yes, I have. I remember I used to work in CEX. I worked in CEX for four years of my life. Every now and then, someone would come up to the till with AB, AVP2, Requiem, <laughs> and I would not hold back. I would not hold back and tell them. I was like, you're making a mistake. Like, it would be earnest. It wouldn't be like mockery because, you know what, this isn't the time to mock anyone stepping on that choice because anyone buying that DVD probably thinks they're in for a fun movie and I was like no I'm just telling you right now this is not what you're looking for what does the requiem bit mean nothing <laughs> it does, it's just I think it literally just means I think it just sounds cool yeah like, I, I, I think that's what the that's what Alien vs Predator's mission statement is something that sounds cooler than the movie actually is w- would you watch like a another one as in not Connected to this now, obviously this is gone. But would do you think there's there's a place in the market for that kind of movie? Because the Alien films haven't done well recently. The Predator films haven't done well recently. You know what? I would watch it because I'm a simp for for Alien and Predator. But no, I don't think we need that. I honestly don't think we need that. I think both franchises. You know what? I I, I actually quite like where Alien is going. I like Prometheus. I wasn't big on Co- Covenant. Mm. But I really like Prometheus. Uh, I didn't mind the Predator, but again, it just kind of felt like a victim of. Even though it's Shane Black that that wrote it, so really he should know yeah. his his stuff. But it never really felt that way, to be honest. Never felt like Shane Black, or it felt like someone trying to be like Shane Black. It felt like a studio uh, was interfering with Shane Black. Yeah, I think what was brilliant about those older movies, Predator, Alien, and Aliens specifically, is they all f- don't feel like they have studio interference because they were something new so the student studio couldn't really interfere in something they didn't actually understand yet mm. and because they are so significant of their time and of their genre and just to cinema generally they are they are huge hugely important movies now that there's a template there they're just continually uh, manipulated and that's what uh, alien vs predator uh, one and two and god forbid if a third one ever gets made would be <laughs> i don't think it will i think it's i think they're dead <laughs> i think you're safe for the moment good. i think the computer good. games are quite good but yeah that is uh yeah dead what is a film that is so perfect and it got a sequel but you don't think it should have got a sequel oh so the, the first one's so good it's on a pedestal and you're like oh no need oh oh perfect yeah i've actually got an answer for that he's so good my answer for that uh, no i was actually struggling with that for a second there but it is 2010 the year we make contact uh, a sequel to 2001 a space odyssey great answer i've never seen but great answer uh, uh, 2001 space odyssey just doesn't need to be touched even slightly perfectly exists on its own hmm. 2010 the year we make contact is not a bad movie in oh, really? fact i could probably argue on a good day that it's, it's actually all right it's quite good but was it necessary no no it does things in a slightly more uh, spoon-fed manner than 2001 Space Odyssey, which I think we can all agree if you've seen it, it doesn't really make any concessions to the audience at all by, by the nope. end. And <laughs> no. 2010, 2010, the year we make contact, is purposely designed to enlighten more about the first movie and the, the mechanics of HAL. And I just just don't need it. 
No. Just don't need it. Again, it's not a movie that I've ever felt the need to ever watch ever since I watched it. Only out of curiosity. I didn't watch it because I wanted to see the sequel to 2001 The Space Odyssey. It was just because I was like, oh, this is missing from my filmography. And so yeah, there you go. Aha! Uh, yeah. Another question on the spot. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a sequel until a few years ago, to be honest. I didn't even know 2001 had it. I'd never even heard of it. No, that's the first time I've ever heard of that existing. So HMV have a premium collection edition of 2010 Year We Make Contact if you're, if you're interested in, in swiping up. You know, it's lovely, but just ultimately... Yeah. Ultimately unnecessary and clearly hasn't even touched the legacy of 2001. Thankfully, it hasn't harmed it in any sort of way either mm. because it is just a bit of a footnote in the film's wiki page, essentially. <laughs> Amazing. Great answer. What is your dream sequel? My dream sequel is The Guest 2. Great pick. The Guest is hugely hugely important movie to me uh, i watched that when i was uh, it was my first year or just before i started uni in 2014 uh, my friend spencer and i were in glasgow we were out for a china buffet king which is i don't know if you have that chain down here but it sounds exactly like what it is uh, it's just a big chinese buffet restaurant and we'd we'd went out for we're just chilling in Glasgow because we're still 17 and we decided to go to the cinema and now anytime I go to the cinema now uh, and even back then they were that was generally preordained there was a, a very firm decision made about which movie we would go and see that day we were just like oh let's just go see whatever's on which is madness to me because even now I'm like why did I do that I'm glad I did but I wouldn't do it now we saw this film called The Guest and I was like I'm curious so let's just go see it blew our minds it was just exactly what you said earlier crafted for me yeah. My, my, from my childhood of stuff that I watched and then the John Carpenter influences as well from horrors that I grew to love when I was when I was slightly older I just left on like a high I hadn't really ever experienced to be honest it, it, especially that kind of late teenage age uh, I just uh, I'm just I'm still obsessed with it as you know I've got the poster mm. uh, the cinema poster I had to order it from Ireland and it cost a fortune to get here because <laughs> it was the only one available <laughs> nice brilliant I, I had not I'd not heard of this film at all and I watched it for this podcast and I really enjoyed it. I really yes. enjoyed how sinister it is. I, I try to explain it to my wife afterwards and she's like, oh, it just sounds like a horror film. And I'm like, it's, it's not a horror film. It is a horror film, but it's a thriller and it's an action movie. And it's got as much to do with Commando or Roadhouse as it has to do with like a psychological thriller or a slasher horror movie. No jump scares, but still scary as hell. I love it. It's great. I could kiss you. I could kiss you. It's perfect. That is exactly on. Like, I mean, there's nothing really. There's not an awful lot more I can say on top of that to, to really sell it or or give it its due. That is exactly how I feel about it. It's got so much going for it. It makes me feel all sorts of ways. And the main thing it does and is is cool. It is, it is so cool. The music is amazing. The music's incredible. Like yeah. Stranger Things must owe a lot to that kind of like eighties vibe of music that, that 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 the guest has going on. Yeah, so that obviously came just at the like the precipice of real eighties nostalgia coming into pop culture again. Yeah, which I love because eighties pop culture is just by far and away the best. The the music. So this year for my birthday, my girlfriend got me the vinyl of the guest songs. So there's two there's two vinyls from the guest. There's the score. And the score, the score is good, but I think it's the tracks that make the movie in terms of the impression it makes. And the, the tracks themselves on the vinyl are really rare. Uh, that was a very good present, and it's just be, it's always been on my Spotify ever since ever since I saw the movie. And I know for a fact they're all so tailor 
chosen for the movie. There's not a single one of those songs that feels out of rhythm with where the movie's at in mm. terms of the tension uh, and like the sort of romance aspect of it as well. There's, it's yeah. There's just I don't know how it stuffs in so much and bounces from beat to beat. And this is like I mean we're talking before about Robert Patrick and, and being so being so great in that kind of in that role. And this the main your main character. I don't know. I can't remember what the actor's name is. I'm sorry, Dave. Uh, Dan Stevens. So. So good, but so kind of mechanical, like almost Rich, like a Terminator. He went from Downton Abbey to this, really. Downton Abbey to this. This literally, he was playing. Yeah, that's and impressive. He, he wasn't. He was. He wasn't built like this, was he? He didn't have this physique. He was kind of. Don't, I don't. I'm not going to say he's pudgy, but he was a a normal looking person in Downton Abbey. The next yeah. time we saw him in the in the guest, he was like fucking hell. He's a hunk. <laughs> oh, like he just I see the moment when he comes out of the shower. Like I'm sorry, but. <laughs> Hot, hot under the collar you know what I mean like that is that is one seriously and, and hot like he's, guy he's so cool in it and for some reason because he is a bad guy and for all for all of it I'm I'm rooting for him I'm cheering for him the bar scene is my favourite scene when he absolutely beats the shit out of those college, uh, students I'm yes watching again today I was like oh, this is just so good fireball whatever they call it the cocktail yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the fireball yeah uh, yeah it's and you know what's interesting about it is it is a violent film but it's not gratuitous yeah. in any sort of way and any sh- showing of blood is so tactful i don't feel like it's 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 not a gory film like, like even the, the bar fight isn't people. gory it's just impactful like like any smack of a of a pool cue any punch any, any smash of a glass really is like oh like you feel it you feel every single hit and that's just that's just good action basically and it's filmed i suppose not similar necessarily similarly but like it reminds me a little bit of edgar wright because it's got a lot of crash zooms uh in terms of how adam wingard does that action in it yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I could talk all day about the guest, and that's why that that's why it's my my dream sequel because it's, in my opinion, it's set up at the end to walk oh, into it definitely, another. It's like Kaiser Soze yeah. set up at the end, isn't it? You know, like it's so yeah, good, just then. that slightly limping firefighter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> brilliant. So, where would you like the guest two to go? And would you like would you bring Adam Wingard back to direct it? What what, what are your plans? Rich has got the money to make it. Yeah, so I've I've won the Euro Millions. I've decided to make a movie you know i've got the back in it's the guest Let's make too. it <laughs> okay uh, i would okay right my pitch for the guest too okay i would pick up immediately where it left off mm. with him pretty much quickly making an escape michael monroe just being like oh my god i can't believe he's still alive he would move to a nearby small town and there'd be a time jump to like five years later or something like, like that and she's still traumatised. And I suppose, actually, in a similar way to how Linda Hamilton is in Terminator 2. Oh, God, it really is. The psychology of my movie viewing is really coming back to haunt me. She would she would be really struggling psychologically with the events of that because, obviously, she knows that he's still alive, but no one's there to believe her because there's no trace of this guy on any records anywhere. Mm. They would then call in the, like a, a really like a big a big good, I suppose, like a, 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 a big a hero figure who's also not entirely a good guy, like someone who's still a little bit bad because anyone associated with that organisation isn't really a fully-fledged hero. Played by uh, a slightly more grizzled but no less mechanical Hugo Weaving. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice casting. Um, That I I would like it to end after the second one. I would like it to be like a, a big... Another kind of big cool showdown, like how the how the movie ends in the in the school with uh, a lot of synthwave and 
and retro and neon lighting and that sort of thing. I wanted to leave but something even bigger, like something even more ridiculous. I don't know how you really up that, whether it's like at a full-on rave, a full-on synth wave, uh, synth wave rave. Would you and... keep that under the 80s underscore tone or would you yeah. update it a little bit to 90s and maybe, no, you'll keep it? No, I think I would probably keep it in the 80s mainly just because I like that. And secondly, I, if I was doing a trilogy, uh, I would be tempted to move it like through the eras, so like nineties, and then it would finish on the two thousands. Yeah, but I think as a as two movies, it would be nice if it's pick if it's still picking up relatively soon after in a time jump of five years, and because the tone set by the music and the score in the first movie is so significant, I would rather keep mm. that than uh, dare dare try to re- revise it in any sort of way. Do you think there's there's space for a prequel? Because I watched it and I was like, yes. I want to know where where's he come from. What how is he like? You no, know, I think there's space for. I think. I think there's space for an anime prequel, uh, in the same way that like Kill Bill has its little yeah, anime yeah, prequels nice. worked into the into the movie. I'd like to see like a ten minute short about in the style of uh, grotesque anime violence mixed with Stanley Kubrick Full Metal Jacket about the camp and where they learned to to be how they are and how they were made into what yeah. they are. That would be awesome. Netflix are doing a lot of anime at the moment. Just to let you know, they're, they're, they're dipping in. Putting it out into the world, manifesting it. And you know what? They've spoke about a sequel. They have spoken yeah, about yeah. a sequel and they've said that there's, there's a, they've discussed it if, if it would make enough money and stuff like that. And I just I just need it. I need it. It's definitely got it. a cult following, hasn't it? It did yeah. do amazing. It's gained, it's gained such a significant following now. Like I, I remember when I was starting to use Twitter a lot more as part of my my career and when I was getting interested in just talking to people that are interested in what I'm, what I'm interested in because not all of my friends at home have that same level of interest mm. and I, I I spoke about the guests a little bit online and normally it gets a pretty immediate response from people just saying oh yeah I love that movie like or oh, it's a great film like just just lots of like lots of positive affirmation like that that it's a, a film that deserves people's mm. love and I still think it is relatively underrated mm. or at least underseen um because i know like like yourself yeah you no no i've it never until, even heard of it it came not, up on the not, list not, not just not watched it i just i didn't even know it existed and it, it, but it's one of those things i think when people discover it they're like oh i can't believe i haven't, yeah. haven't heard of this like, i can't believe i haven't heard of this movie because it is so in considering where we are now in ter- after post stranger things i think if it came out in 2016 to be honest when stranger things started it'd be a bigger movie yeah. than it is now i think it came just let's say ahead of mm-hmm. that as a result maybe didn't get quite the coverage it needs but i prefer its status as a cult classic because it's a movie that fits into the cult classic template like it i don't think it necessarily not deserves that isn't the right word but it would feel a bit odd if it was like this huge massive success like it, it works as a little bit of a midnight movie yeah. and oh it does definitely. oh yeah yeah, and I'm glad it has that status because, uh, rather selfishly, I love being able to share it with people and see their reactions. Like uh, everyone I've met, like I showed my girlfriend it for the first time. I showed my flatmate that I live with now it for the first time. It's great to have a movie like that under your belt. Did the girlfriend like that... it? Yes. <laughs> I'm still unclear about whether he what his motivations are in terms of like his character, like turning up at the house and like is is was he actually in the squad with the bro- with the dead brother? Is he actually that guy? Because there's that conversation about plastic surgery well, and David, stuff as he? well. Well, that's the thing. Who is he? Like, <laughs> so Rich, I'm here to answer all your questions. <laughs> yes. uh, he is. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> um, so I, so so his interests, his interests at the beginning, I believe, are entirely earnest. I believe he is there to look after his their brothers, the sons, the sons' family, because yeah. he made that promise. Because they'd go together 
and I don't think there's actually I think it's just sinister because he's a pretty dark guy and he's wired as a psycho mm. hence like the advice on, on fighting and, and the he was trying to help it. Yeah, he, I think he is legitimately trying to help in his own twisted way. And then it is just as simple as what the Lance Merrick's character says. Um, he has to tie up every loose end. And as soon as someone sniffs who he actually is or who where he's from or that his facade is even just the slightest bit dropped, he has to tie up everything and get rid of all connections so he can make a getaway. And that's just when it all goes Pete Tong. In my opinion, I mean, there's obviously I I'm, I I would happily listen to like other people explain have their take on the movie, but for me, that's that's what it's always been. It's it's always been just a twisted uh, guest arriving to help story until it isn't yeah, until yeah. it goes really wrong. So the sequel, would you delve more into his past, or would you just leave it as a bit of an enigma? And he's trying to help another family, and the other girl comes in and yeah. So I think I would make I'd want to see very clear attempts. Even Hugo Weaving, because I'm, I'm, I would like him to be associated with his past, not just a complete stranger brought in to kill him. And even Michael Monroe and the little brother to try and pull him out of his psychosis and this relentless pursuit to try and make. Would him... they be out for revenge, or would they be out to try and save him? I think it would be like I think it would be complicated. To be honest, I think that I I think it would be a bit almost a bit like Terminator Two. That uh, when Linda Hamilton first sees Terminator, she's like, no, no, no. I think there'd be a lot of that sort of real hesitance uh, when he eventually makes himself known again in some sort of way. You can and then almost there'd be a switch. Switch it around that Hugo Weaving ends up being the bad guy. He ends yeah. up redeeming himself. Oh, yeah. yeah, by David. I would still root for Dan Stevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could make you can make Dan Stevens like the new like the Mike Monroe and her little brother become the status quo he has to protect by the end and then he be good kills that. he kills Hugo Weaving but then they still have this ruthless protector at all times so it's not necessarily a happy ending it's just an ending where Dan Stevens is on side at last well I want to, I want to watch it I'm glad mate I'm glad that, you know what that's it's a very low key scene compared to the rest but I really like the scene with the with the head teacher where he like totally turns it around it's funny it's clever it's everything you want to say to a teacher if you've ever been a kid i love it i just love how he completely flips the power dynamic and it also shows off like his training in other ways that aren't just oh yeah combat like it's 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 the powers of persuasion like he has just a complete force of nature he can get whatever he wants at any time like realistically would it would he have would he have actually caused physical harm to the principal if he just refused maybe um, but thankfully, he is so persuasive. He's got his uh, pit boy points turned all the way up on uh, on talking to people. Yeah, yeah. I think I just think yeah, I love that scene as well because one, yeah, it's funny. Like I just said there, I think it just shows that this guy is the the be all end all. Little things he says like, like cash is always easy to come by. You know, like you get that kind of that he's a li- he's not just a killing machine. He's not a terminator. You know, there's more to him than that. Yeah, it's when he's buying the gun. And the guy's like, oh, you're going to make a deal. Then he's like, no, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> you better run. <laughs> His accent's so good as well. Yeah, yeah, especially, like you say, he comes from Downton Abbey. And then he's then he's into this, and he's just seamless. Seamless. And I didn't watch Downton Abbey, so I wasn't really aware of him when it came out in 2014. Right. And then I realised, and then I went in this big campaign pretty much in uni to... I was like, Dan Stevens should be the next Bond. I think he's a bit old for it now, probably. Like like anyone who you'd campaign to be Bond back then would be. Like Idris Elba is just way too old mm. to be Bond now. But at the time, I just remember seeing it coming out and thinking, God, he could be James Bond. Like, I would watch Dan Stevens as James Bond any day. I agree with you. I'd, I'd definitely, yeah. I'd, and I think he's great in this part, and he should do another one if they're listening. Adam Wingard, I'm going to tag you in. 
And that was Cameron Frew's Unequals Equals. That was great. Yeah, really enjoyed I, it. I really enjoyed that. Cameron's such a good guest to have on. Oh. Funny, knows his stuff. And you didn't hear it because Dave cut it out at the end. But he said, <laughs> this is the most fun he's ever had on a podcast. I'm going to quote that when he's put it on our posters. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, his picks are so good as well. I oh, love so good. Also, definitely the worst sequel we've watched, I think. Ooh. Do you reckon this or Batman and Robin so far? Batman and Robin's worse, but only because it's half an hour longer. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. And you got to watch The Guest for the first time, which was... The Guest is so good. It's such so a good, good film. I was so surprised. Like, I loved it. Like, I'm really happy that we did this podcast just so I could, just because I could watch that movie. It's, oh, it's, no. It was great. That is the point of the podcast, I think. It introduces us and other people, hopefully, to new films. Yeah. So, and we talked to some pretty cool people so far. So it's all going well. Absolutely. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think Cameron really enjoyed it. You really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. All round, a bloody good podcast. Oh, I hope everyone else enjoys it. And if you do enjoy it, this is going to be a nice link, you can find us on the internet. We are at all the uh, podcasting platforms that you can li- want to listen to. Obviously, you know that because you're listening to us now. But if you could tell your, your friends and family what places they could find us, that would be great. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Unequal Sequel. or on Instagram at Unequal Sequel. And we're just Unequal Sequel. So you can find us if you just type us in the, in the internet. The internet tells you where we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Google us. You'll find yeah. us. You'll find yeah. us. Uh, you can email us too, can't you? Oh, yeah. You can also email us at uh, unequalsequel at hotmail.com. Uh, just anything, really. Questions or suggestions or if you want to be on the podcast, if you know someone who's slightly interesting uh, and would be good on the uh, podcast, let us know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as long as they've got a passion for film, we would happily talk to them. Passion for film and somewhat creative in some kind of aspect of their field. Yeah, absolutely. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. Some sort of link to the movies or TV or something like that mm. and a passion for film yeah. and just a general cool person and we would smash out a really cool podcast just like this one we've just done. Yes. Yeah. Anything else we got to say, Rich? Oh, should we plug our other podcast while we're here? The Baywatch yeah. podcast? Check out the Baywatch podcast. It's just it's as fun as this one. Yeah. <laughs> Nation random, I would say. If you like the bits where I get really annoyed at stuff being rubbish, you will love the Baywatch podcast because that's basically what I do. <laughs> I have to apologise a lot for it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I can't help it. It just annoys me. <laughs> it's a rubbish TV show at the moment. Hopefully it gets better. Uh, we're on a break on that at the moment, but we will be coming back hopefully pretty soon. If we yeah, August better. time, I think, yeah. Yes. Yeah, hopefully you carry on listening to the other episodes of Unequal Sequel. We'll be back probably on Friday for our bonus episodes where we'll Ooh. be talking about something about a sequel. Do a little review of Space Jam 2. A new legacy. A, Which... a film that's a dedicated and not dedicated, aimed at kids, but two grown adults are going to go sit down and watch it. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> it's good. So that'll be out Friday and uh, there'll be another episode of, with a person we'll chat to next Monday. Woohoo! That's all I've got to say. Rich, you got anything else today? Nah. Nah, I'm oh. all good. That's, that's <laughs> it's a bye from... It's really, really hot. It's that's really hot, so I'm trying to get this done quickly. Uh, <laughs> so that's a bye from me. Bye! That's a bye from him and we'll see you next time. Have a good week. Bye.